Welcome back. Here on episode 9 of Fireside Takes, we have a very special guest with us tonight. Ben, would you like to introduce our special friend? Our special friend tonight is Mitchell Harwitz, a good friend of Gabe and, and mine and a lot of our friends for a long time. And we're going to get right into and ask Mo, Mitch, a few questions before we head into the analysis of the NFC East. Gabe, you want to kick off with the first question? Well, yeah, we could do questions first, but why don't we just introduce him a little bit? Yeah, you know? I'm going to give you an uh, like, uh, opportunity to introduce him, so yeah, give your take. Well, Mo has been a good friend of ours for quite a while now, uh, obviously from the beginning of high school, maybe even back further from the Little League days. Uh, and, you know, he's an avid Cowboys fan, which he's going to discuss a little bit more in the future, which is, you know, the reason why we have him on tonight's NFC East episode just an incredible friend and a great sports mind, somebody who we're very, very honored to have on the show tonight. Mo? Great to be here, guys. Uh, I've heard a lot about this. I've uh, been listening, and you got some good stuff going on here. Thanks so much, dude. We really appreciate that. Let's just jump into it. You know, I, I partially answered one of the questions over here, but the first question we had for you is, you know, which sports teams do you root for? Give us, a, you know, 30 seconds on each of them. So... From New York, uh, Knicks, Rangers, Yankees, and then we got the Cowboys. Um, so with the Cowboys, it's a little odd, obviously. The rest of the team's New York because I'm from New York. But at the end of the day, it's because my dad was a Cowboys fan. He was watching the Jets, watching the Giants, didn't like what he saw, was watching the Cowboys, liked what he saw, was a Cowboys fan, and now I'm following his footsteps. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you uh, did you ever get picked on as a kid for being a Cowboys fan in New York? Oh yeah, for sure. Being around Giants fans all the time, even by Jets fans, which is weird because the Jets have had almost as much pain as the Cowboys. Yeah, but we don't have the you know the a, a, appeal, let's say, of the Cowboys and the history of the Cowboys and the expectations that Cowboys fans have. Do you have a specific favorite Cowboys player? I can just think of some greats, and I'm just curious who that is because I'm seeing your beautiful Van Der Esch jersey. Um, and, so yeah, go ahead. If we're talking. On the team right now, I would say Leighton Van Der Escher, Jalen Smith, one cool. of the two. Anyone um, overall? Overall, I would have to say Tony Romo. I nice. was a huge Romo fan. Yeah. He came up in the clutch a lot more than people like to give him credit for. And it's just a shame that he had bad coaching and not the best teams around him defensively. Yeah, I absolutely cool. agree. He's a, it's a really fun player. I like Tony. I had a Tony Romo jersey growing up, actually. Did you really? Still have one. Yeah. Still wear it when I play football. He's cool. I was Tony Romo for Purim one year. I think he's doing Corona commercials now, right? Um, oh, yeah. He is. Yeah, I, he I, is. I, I love that. Hotline. I mean, he's an I awesome Corona announcer. hotline. He is. Right. Oh, the Corona yeah. hotline. That's awesome. Right. It's awesome. Uh, not related to the virus. Please don't call the Corona hotline for any questions pertaining to COVID-19. Please <laughs> consult your local doctor. Wow. <laughs> consult your local doctor. That's Second funny. question, Mo. I'm not sure if you listened to our Fisai Unscripted episode, uh, but if you did have the chance to check it out, our question was, the question that sparked the conversation, let's say, was, is a hot dog a sandwich? We'd like to know your take on it. So I haven't had a chance to listen to that one yet. I definitely will. And that's a very intriguing question because in some ways it has the elements of the sandwich, but at the same time, are you really eating it because of the bread? Is that what you think sandwiches are? That you're really eating them because of the bread? The bread usually plays a factor, but... There are definitely some people that like their food, regardless of what it is, with no bun. Um, I don't know why someone would ever be like that. I, I just have one specific question. Is sushi a sandwich? Well, we're not talking about sushi. You didn't I, even answer I, the, the hot I just, dog question. I just want to know what he thinks, though. You gotta answer the hot dog question first. All right, so you're, you're telling us yes to tough question. They're both sides. We understand. That's why we ask. I'm excited for it. Because there's a factor of not I'm really everyone excited. eats a hot dog with a bun. I'm gonna have to say it's not a sandwich. Interesting, but I eat sometimes like schnitzel without a, without a you know holy toasty around it. That's true. The holy toasty is a type of schnitzel sandwich. Right, but you eat schnitzel by itself. 
That's true. So if you eat a hot dog in a bun, maybe you could call it a hot dog sandwich, but a hot dog But you're saying not, it's not a sandwich. What about a steak sandwich? Steak sandwich, you'd eat steak without a, a bread for sure, You right? eat steak without bread probably more often than you eat steak exactly, with bread. Exactly, but it's steak yeah, sandwich. But when it's in a sandwich, it's called a steak sandwich. It's a sandwich with steak. Okay, that's fair. Cool. I like that. And for the sushi, that's definitely not a sandwich. There's no bread involved. I'm happy you went back to that because I did jump the gun, but I'm happy that you're reverting back there. I'm, I'm not going to go defend the, the whole sushi thing here. We're not going to get into it. It was kind of just a little... It was yours. No, I know, but I'm not, I'm not going to... It would take too long for us it to... It was really definitely the highlight of, of, of the conversation because the rest of them were like, okay, maybe, maybe not. Sushi was just, whoa. I have my reasons, and we could talk about it again a different time. If you'd like to have a Fisai unscripted hot dog version 2, Check it colon sushi, we can certainly get that one out there. But for now, we're going to stick with our questions that we have here. And our third question for you, Mo, is a bit more sports-related. Who is your 2020 NBA MVP so far? We're not going to include the last eight games. That's not really going to go into it. I feel like at this point we kind of know, um, or the decisions have been made in the eyes of the voters. Who is your 2020 NBA MVP and why? So for most of the year, I thought it was going to be Harden just because he was dropping points all the way. But then, as the season went along, it became more clear to me that it's got to be Giannis. Just because Giannis is basically just doing everything for that team. He's starting to shoot more. He's becoming a better shooter, which is a big X factor in the NBA today. Absolutely. And then, of course, you have what he does in the paint. He's a freak. Yeah. I mean, it's not just for me, it's not just him in the paint. It's the fact that like at that size, he can... He can bring the ball up basically the whole court himself and just go on a one-man fast break. It's terrifying. Yeah. I, I totally uh, yeah, I totally get that. Absolutely. Our next question. Okay, Milk, do me a favor and put on your thinking cap for this one, okay? Is it on? It's on. Okay, great. Mo actually put a cap on his head just He now. did, he did. If you had one food for the rest of your life, you can eat one food for the rest of your life, what is it and why? I would have to say, hmm, I would say pizza. Pizza. I eat pizza often enough that I'm basically living off it at times. Okay. So, I'd have to go with pizza. There's enough variations of pizza. I think I could live a lifetime. Oh, that's wow. interesting. Wow. thinks that he used that's to different int- variations. If anything, I think pizza would be the one of those general things where you don't have variations, but that's an interesting take. No, you you're saying that you're allowed to have... topping pizza. Pop- if, if you're saying that you're allowed to have any kind of pizza, I think that maybe I would do that too. Because you can yeah. really go crazy. Yeah. You can call anything a pizza then. Oh, yeah. Right. right. With Dave well, well meat, yeah. Meat, meat pizza. Right. Meat pizza all right. the time. I've ch- we have, we've had, um, like, I don't know, barbecue, sh- like, strips of chicken on pizza. From traditions, it's fantastic. Everyone should get it. Oh, yeah. And in the yeah. uh, non-kosher world, there are buffalo chicken pizza. Right, of course. So, if mm. we're saying, unless you're saying strict I don't know. Pizza. I don't know. We didn't really define such strict parameters yeah, we, we here. Didn't so, I, like, parameters. I actually like your answer because you let yourself have more leeway there. I like yeah, it. You created that. I think uh, you're right. You, yeah. yeah. And then we have one last question for you, and it's a bit more sports-oriented before we really jump into the NFC East here. And if if you could only watch—I think we actually discussed this with you at some point. If we, you could only watch and follow one sport for the rest of your life, which one is it going to be and why? And while you're thinking, the parameter for this one, just a quick one, is that you know it's a full calendar year, right? And you only watch and follow while that sport is on. The rest of the time, there's no sports. There's nothing going on. Yeah, that's an important addition, yes. actually, yeah. yeah. So I'd have to say— it would be hockey. Um, the yes. main reason I would say that is just because I can feel more than any other sport, I can just sit down and watch a hockey game and watch it through. I can't just watch a random Orioles and, I don't know, Blue Jays baseball game for nine innings. Yeah, the Orioles I, and Marlins are going to be playing each other this year. Yeah, so like I, there's no times. way I'm sitting down and watching <laughs> any one of those games for the full length. With hockey, I can sit down and watch any game. And especially come playoff time... 
there's nothing more intense than NHL playoffs where you can have an eight seed and it's happened with the LA Kings that can win the cup. You never see the eight seed in the NBA win. They barely ever get out of the first round. Yeah. I think you're right, honestly. That's yeah, a, a great call. The, you know, the playoffs are definitely something about hockey that I think they have. There's just like a very tangible step up in the hockey playoffs, which is, you know, something that's unlike any other sport. Ben, For what sure. would you do really quickly? What would you do? I actually, I would go basketball. Why? Um I, I love, I like most said he can watch a hockey game fully through. I agree that I can't watch a baseball game fully through. Um, I love watching ball. And I think especially nowadays, um, it's, it's super intense and we have like great teams to watch. And also, the season's a good length. I'm not a hockey fan, but I understand why that's appealing. Um, the NFL is too short for me. So what Gabe said before, you're taking into account how long the season is. Basketball is a good length, and I would enjoy every game, I think. And one more thing about hockey, especially this year, considering that there's now the qualifying rounds, they're going to have games running from noon till 10 Eastern time every day once they start get up and rolling August 1st. So that's yeah. going to be so exciting for a hockey fan. You wake up in the morning, as soon as the clock hits noon, hockey for the rest of the day. Yeah, I mean, the NBA is pretty much the same thing once they come back. So they're starting, I think, at 1.30 yeah, most days. Yeah, crazy. So, yeah, that, we're, it's going to be pretty exciting. Well, the NBA, it's going to be regular season. This, the teams are playing qualifying round series. That's true. That is definitely a good call. And I guess you can kind of call that playoffs. But you might have that intensity just, you know, out of the gate. For sure. Oh, yeah. Although all sports are going to be weird to see, you know, how they deal with such a long hiatus. There's definitely going to be some, like, you know, learning curve, so to speak, about getting back into that groove. For a little everybody. rusty. That, I, I mean, that's why they're doing the either the qualifying the round or the eight games right. in the NBA. Right, right. Once the players definitely are in the groove, though, they're going to be sure. so fresh. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. If I had to answer the question tell you the truth, I think I'm still going football, and here's why. I've had really good reasons for both for basketball and for hockey basketball just because i do enjoy like most said about hockey watching any game any two teams on any given night i'll watch a full basketball game through and through the islanders however are a lot more competent of a franchise than the knicks and have like you know some future pieces which the knicks just honestly don't have there's no hope for them so you know i'd have a team for roof over there but football would give me the opportunity to watch the sport that you know day week in and week out i'm a, i'm in love with right like i could watch every single week i do watch from you know from 1 to 12 or whatever it runs and I think that the rest of the year, I would spend not being enslaved to professional sports, and I would pursue other passions and hobbies, and it would be a really great time for me. Yeah, I, I definitely hear that. I think part of this question sometimes is like, the question's like, if you're on an island, um, that's an aspect of it we didn't really touch upon, so there's not many things to do outside, I guess, of this sports time that you have. Oh, I'm saying um, it was regular life. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to go NFL, but like, it's just too short. You know, I would, that, but that's you, know, you saying that you need a long season. You're relying yeah, on the sport. I'm yeah. not relying on the sport. Right, I am. I'm stronger than that. On the deserted island, I Probably am. Probably not. I do spend many hours every single week talking about sports. Yeah, and we have plenty of other hobbies. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We do. And one of our biggest hobbies is really watching the NFL. Absolutely. And Mo's biggest hobby for years has been watching the Cowboys in the NFC East. So why don't we just jump right on in there, talk about the NFC East, and break down the four teams, which we're going to do in just a second. So here we are. And we're going to talk about the NFC East, which is a very interesting division. Obviously, a lot of rivalries there. A lot of 9-7 and seven type division champions battling it out Week 17. I feel like almost every year, the Week 17 Sunday night game on NBC is like the NFC East championship game, you know? Uh, so it's very competitive, a lot to say there. Really quickly before we get into it, you know, they're playing the AFC North and the NFC West, which are two of the best divisions in football, in my opinion. Obviously, you got the NFC champion 49ers from last year. You have the Ravens, who were 14-2 and last year in the AFC North. Steelers are a great team. Brown's going to put up some points. You know, Seahawks, obviously, always, you know, are a good game. There's a lot of good competition that these teams are going to have, uh, have to play this year. So let's just jump right into it and start with the Eagles, the 2019 division champions, at 9-7. and seven. Ben, what do you got to say about the Eagles? All right, let's do it. So the 2019 record, as Gabe just said, they went 9-7. and seven. Um... 
Their Vegas over-under is 9.5. So this, this is what I think. The Eagles have three straight postseason appearances under Doug Peterson, which includes a 2017 Super Bowl title. Um, if their O-line stays at the top like they've been for the past few years and Wentz stays healthy, I can see them being at the nine, not, I can see them going over the 9.5 mark and possibly even win like 10 or 11 games. And don't forget about that O-line. Uh, Brandon Brooks is now out for the year. Yes, about, and they didn't resign Jason Peters, who's a free agent. That is also true. Um, but yeah, listen, I think the Eagles can still be at the top with the Cowboys, and that'll be another fun rivalry to watch. Gabe, what do you think? Well, you know, last year they snuck out a weak division title, honestly. Like, Wentz's injury screwed them in the playoffs. Obviously, it's unfortunate they lost the Seahawks that way. But 9-7, and seven, like, was not what people really expected from this division, you know, from whoever ended up winning it, obviously, whether it was the Cowboys or the Eagles. And their free agency was okay, losing Malcolm Jenkins, but then signing a bunch of pieces, Nikel Roby Coleman, Darius Saleh, as a couple of them, to keep the secondary together. Uh, you know, made, made an interesting draft pick in Jalen Rieger to assist a weak wide receiver group overall, but it's another good talent for Wentz to play with. And then... The second-round draft pick, Jalen Hurts, something that I want to discuss with you guys. You know, I'm confused here. Like, why are you making that that draft pick such an early, so early for Jalen Hurts uh, when you have a guy like Carson Wentz who seems like he's going to be the future? You know, I understand that Wentz had some injury problems, but is that a reason to go and, you know, jump and take one of the better quarterbacks in the draft, a promising guy in the second round? So, actually, I think there's two reasons behind this. Number one, we've seen an increasing number of teams go out and get that solid backup. Again, Jalen Hurts won't be that guy yet because he's because he's obviously a rookie. But the second aspect I see to it is that Carson Wentz is so injury-prone, so they want to have that solid backup and the guy they know they can step in when Wentz, in my eyes, inevitably gets hurt again. Gets hurt again. If he doesn't, I see him as an MVP candidate, but he just keeps getting hurt, so that's why I see their move. Mo, what do you think? There are two ways that I look at this. The first way is he's... A high quality backup quarterback but that's the view I disagree with because you're not supposed to take a backup quarterback in the second round right the second exactly. round is meant for starters not even starters a lot of times stars that's why I'm confused here so that I don't really see the fruition with that point the other reason would be to have him as kind of a Taysom Hill type of player Right, I heard they're considering using them both on the field at the same time, right? Wentz and Hurts. Yeah, I saw that. But then also you have to look and see that the Eagles are training him right now purely as a quarterback. They're not going over anything else with him right now. And that leads me to believe that they're trying to make him a top-tier backup. Yeah. Or maybe a Wentz replacement. I like the call. It'll definitely be interesting, I guess, to monitor it over the next couple of years. Uh, You know, quickly, they're over-under, something we always talk about when we go through these teams. So their over-under here is 9-5, excuse me. It's a very tough schedule this year. You know, like I said, they're playing the AFC North and the NFC West, two tough divisions, and I like them a lot. But gun to head, I take the under 9.5 in a very difficult NFC and a division where I think the Cowboys are probably more talented here. The ceiling for this team is still 10 10 or 11 wins and a division title. If everyone plays the way that they should, if that offense, you know, stays healthy and Wentz plays like the MVP candidate we saw him as a couple of years ago, yeah, I could definitely see them being the division winners here. I don't think it's going to happen this year for them. Their floor depends on Wentz's health. You know, if he stays healthy, I can't see them winning any less than six games here. What do you guys think about the over-under 9.5? I take the under, too. Um, I agree that if their O-line stay, if they have that good O-line that they're now, they lost key pieces of it, so it'll be tough for them. But if they keep that O-line, you know, stacked and Wentz stays healthy, I can see them going um, going over. But like you said, gun to head, I take the under. Yeah, so for me, there's a lot of ifs with Eagles. If Wentz is healthy, if the O-line can withstand the losses that they've had this offseason, if their revamped secondary can help, if their receivers are enough, that's too much to say that they're going to go over. 
Do I think they're really going to go that much under? No, I think that they're going to be an 8-9 win team. And now with the extra playoff spot, I still see them sneaking into the playoffs. Okay, I like that call. The extra playoff spot is definitely huge for a team like them, or for really whoever ends up being in second place really in this division, right? Division. Right. I'm saying I feel like the, this division is a team that could produce that third wild. They, they never have a team that's good enough really to sneak in as, as a wild card team in addition. There, the one, there were two years that the Cowboys won the division when the Giants and Eagles the Gi- made Right, it. the Giants in 2016 whenever or whatever it was. the Cowboys are finishing in second place in that division, they're not getting into the playoffs. Right, exactly. And this year they have that opportunity. Yeah, this is... I yeah, mean, another chance. It's gonna be very interesting the whole playoff format. I'm I love it. We're gonna have six wild card games in in uh, two days. That's really really exciting. Um, and a team that's not gonna be in the wild card round, I would say in 2020, is the Giants. You know, a team that we hear a lot about, obviously being here in New York, uh, the fan base of which is the cause of many of Mo's nightmares because of all the tormenting he took on as a child. Um, and the Cowboys and Giants have had that rivalry for years, but you know the Giants have taken a very very strong backseat over here, four and twelve last year, and doesn't seem like they really have so much going on for them to make them better. Mo, really quickly, why don't you start us off on the Giants? What do you think about them and their outlook for twenty twenty? So I see a very similar team to last year, and yes, they did address a need in the draft by taking an offensive lineman in the first round, and they did bolster that secondary with Xavier McKinney in the second round, who, in my opinion, was the best player to come out of the second round, the best value pick of the entire draft. But with that being said, unless Daniel Jones is having a monumental, sky-high ceiling year this year, I don't see them coming out with anything more than six wins and another top ten pick. I totally agree with Mo. Um, I would not take the over on the Giants. Their Vegas over-under is 6.5. They were horrible last year, and they didn't make enough improvements to make a big difference. I agree with you. Unless D. Dimes has some crazy, immaculate year, I do not see them improving much D. Dimes? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly how I wow. read it. I want to read it. That's a nickname from yeah. a nickname. Um, the only bright spot I see in their team is Saquon. Yes, he's a large bright spot, but a running back is not enough to take them a team far. Um, their wide receivers are solid. Slayton, Tate, Shepard, and Engram. But I don't think Dimes is ready to take full advantage of them yet. Like you said, unless he has a ma- an immaculate season. And don't forget his uh, big turnover issue with the uh, picks and he yeah. had the f- team fumble. Well, the fumble is, exactly. yeah, that's something that I wanted to get to turnovers. also. So before I toss it over Gabe, one quick fact for the Giants. They've lost 13 straight games to the Eagles and Cowboys and haven't won in Philly in the regular season since 2013. I'm sorry, Giants fans. I just don't see this getting better. No, absolutely not. 2019, 4-12 is, you know, for a number of key reasons. Their defense is atrocious. 25th in yards, 30th in points allowed, and tied for 30th in takeaways. You're not winning many football games with a bottom seven overall defense in the league. Saquon injuries last year obviously, you know, held them back a little bit, but I don't think that it it would have added to, you know, many more wins, if any. The Joe Judge hiring is interesting. I don't know much about him, but it is very hard to argue with the guy who came out of the Belichick coaching tree, which I think does give a little bit of hope for this franchise, but there's nothing going on here. I mean, free agency, they don't do anything that exciting. Like a few older guys on defense, James Bradbury in the backfield and Blake Martinez, the linebacker, nothing that's going to turn around that atrocious defense. Something that's very interesting is that they did sign Corey Coleman, former Browns first round uh, draft pick receiver. And, you know, it's a one year, like, prove it deal to show, like, that you still have a place in this league. And they didn't do anything else. You know, fourth overall pick, Andrew Thomas, something we didn't discuss. Listen, I always say that I don't know how to judge an offensive tackle as you know, a, a fan from my lens. I don't have the proper, you know, football experience really to look at an offensive tackle and say what makes Andrew Thomas better than Mekhi Becton, you know, worthy of being picked fourth. I don't understand. Nevertheless, you know, people really like the guy. It should be a good pick. Second round, they picked Xavier McKinney. Mo, I know you liked him a lot, right? The safety out of Alabama. What do you say? That was a steal, one of the steals of the one draft. Steal of the draft. Great value pick. Right. 
And, I mean, I just don't think that they improved enough. Right? Like you said, over under 6.5, there's no way I take that. The team's just not good enough. I think that's the consensus here. Yeah, pretty I think, much. I think so. Uh, we, we are forgetting one thing about the Giants. Another hiring they had, uh, bring in former Cowboys head coach, Ooh. Jason Garrett. Yeah, let's clap it up for Jason. I think it's going to be very funny to see Giants fans, you know, kind of have to deal with what you had to deal with for the last 10 years. Although, obviously, he doesn't have as much autonomy in making the decisions because he's not the head coach anymore. Uh, you know, it'll be it'll be funny to see how that works out. Yeah, to be honest, I like the move. Um, listen, I don't think he had much success with the Cowboys. I think he had, like, two playoff wins in nine and a half seasons as a head coach. Yeah. But, again, he he's in their division, and he knows the Giants very well. He knows the Cowboys, excuse me, very well. And I think he'll help prepare for them week to week. Well, well, the two weeks they play them. Playing the Cowboys, although the Giants haven't beaten them in a while, beating the Cowboys once or twice isn't going to bring you to the playoffs. So. Yeah, I wouldn't sign a guy just to help against no. two games out no, of 16. No, no, no. I don't think that's the only reason. I think that's a bet. Listen, he was a head coach for nine and a half years for a reason. He's clearly like some sort of skill to a head coach. Of course. I mean, he's the offensive coordinator, so he won't have as much responsibility, and I think he'll be helpful. Well, if you ask the average Cowboys fan, nine and a half years is about eight and a half too long. Oh, man. Sorry for you guys. Wow. Well, like the Giants, there's another team in the NFC East that's probably even worse. Somehow. Which is, which is pretty Somehow crazy. Worse. I mean, you know, you look at a 4-12 and Giants team, like that's got to be fourth place in a division, right? Nope. Redskins coming at 3-13 and with just nothing going right for them in 2019. They were the bottom of the league in most categories. And, like, honestly, people say that the Bengals were so atrocious last year, obviously winning one less game, going 2-14. and I don't think that the Redskins were much better than the Bengals, to tell you the truth. Um... You know, free agency, they did a couple of interesting things, signing Ronald Darby and Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who are like two older defensive guys, and then offensively, there were moves that were overhyped, and here's why. You signed Cody Latimer and Richard Rodgers. Who are these guys? They're two guys who come from two of the best quarterbacks of all time, playing with Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers, respectively, and he kind of threw them good balls. You know, Richard Rodgers, obviously, like one of the biggest views we have him is the, the Hail Mary against the Lions, right? Uh, and maybe there was even one more. We had one in the playoffs, or was that, that, Jeff, was, that was Jeff Janis had the, had the touchdown. Was he the one that dropped the onside kick? No, that was Brandon Bostick. No, no, no not uh-huh. him. But the point is that these are two guys who I think that only have names because they played with those guys. I don't think that it's so exciting, you know, to put Dwayne Haskins in a situation with guys like Cody Ladder and Richard Rodgers. Overall, you know, Chase Young, incredible pick. Like, he's going to be a talent for a very long time, so it seems. Many people say he was the most talented player in the draft, so that'll be exciting for him to have something to look forward to. But, like, over under five, I have my notes one word, under. Like, that's it. There's there's no way in my mind that they do much better than they did last year. Yeah, I for sure agree with that. I, I think the consensus here again will be... um will be that, like the Giants, that they're just not good. Um, their 2019 record was 3-13. and I agree with Gabe. They drafted Chase Young, who will be an immediate force in that defensive line. Um, I think their free agency was completely underwhelming, signing guys like Peyton Barber, Kendall Fuller. Um, I don't see them getting much better. Their Vegas over-under is 5, like Gabe said, under, one word. I don't think it's been more than that. Um, I don't think the Redskins are going to stop being bad for a little bit. Um, the hiring of Ron Rivera will bring like, a much-needed culture, re- cultural revival there in Washington. That's true. But, uh, again, I don't see it making much of a big difference. Um... I don't want to judge Dwayne Haskins too quickly because I don't think he has enough around him to really judge him as a quarterback yet, but nevertheless, it's not, it's not looking great. Um, the only bright spot I see is Scary Terry, but that's not nearly enough. We all know that. Last season, no team posted fewer fewer total offensive snaps while up than, than the Redskins, and only two teams took more snaps while trailing the Redskins. I feel sorry for all of them. Mo, what do you have to say? So, I actually happen to be a Dwayne Haskins fan. Really? Let's hear why. I, hey, I'm very... Yeah, I fully believe that with the right weapons around him, and that is the main point of emphasis, he can thrive in the NFL, and he can be a Pro Bowl caliber player. Wow. Wow, Pro Bowl cal- caliber player. He showed the, nothing like that last year. Problem, Granted, the they had a terrible is, offense. Their offensive line is atrocious. Yeah, right. The weapons 
that Dwayne Haskins is throwing the ball to outside, as you said, Ben, outside of Scary Terry, there's not really much there. Yeah, well, you know. We're talking about guys like Paul Richardson. Right. Exactly. Right. Or like Abe said, these underwhelming signings like Cody Lattimore or Richard Rodgers. As my friend Benny always says over here, you can't judge a quarterback or you can't judge an offense until they have the proper pieces around them or at least, you know, decent pieces around them. So in that case, Dwayne Haskins playing half a season last year, right? In that case, Keenan played in the other half of the season or so with some of the worst players kind of in the league altogether doesn't really give us much to judge him by. And I like that you, you know, still have faith in him even as a division rival. Yeah, I really believe that if he's in the right situation, as Urban Meyer said, if he's in the right situation, he can thrive. Yeah, yeah, I agree. sure. I think that's pretty much it about the Redskins. I don't like talking about them that much. Like, they're depressing. They're very similar to the Jets in a certain respect. Um, And I don't really want to hear much about it. But, you know, there's like a lot more, there's a much more exciting team over here in the Cowboys, which is obviously the reason why we're here. So I'm not even going to talk about them. I'm just going to let you jump right into the Cowboys. Mo, tell us about 2019. Tell us about the offseason. Tell us your projections for 2020, your hopes and dreams, and who you think is going to be the president in 2032. Let's hear. So we'll start with the Cowboys aspect. And 2019, the only thing that can come to mind, why they didn't make the playoffs, Jason Garrett. I said before the season last season that, Talent-wise, it was one of the best Cowboys teams I've ever seen. On paper, I don't think I can name another year team that was better all around. They had great receivers, great offensive line, great running back, blossoming young quarterback. Blossoming. And the defense, they had the pieces. Obviously, the secondary, the way that they hoped it would turn out, didn't turn out. The defensive Lost Byron Jones also. The defensive line wasn't great, Byron Jones, obviously. But if you look at his numbers, he's not producing turnovers, which was one of the biggest problems for the Cowboys. They don't take the ball away. Right. Hmm. You know, Aiden, in my mind, I mean, I like that you blame Jason Garrett because it kind of sounds like, you know, the way the last nine and a half years for you guys have gone, so to speak. But I can't say that I would blame it all on him. You know, Aiden, eight is a real disappointment for a season that on paper is super talented, like you said. You know, the week 16 loss to Philly obviously is what like put the nail in the coffin. Or they would have won that. They would have been in the driver's seat to win the division. Yeah. And I think that this team kind of last year should have been at the point where they were ready to take the step up and win the big game. Unfortunately, they haven't done it yet, which is why, you know, people are a bit hesitant about this team going forward despite all the talent there. So the reason I blame Jason Garrett as much as I do is because, and a lot of analysts have said this, that the first two weeks of the season, the Cowboys' offense was thriving. They were unstoppable. You can even say it through the first three weeks. But starting with week three, a lot of the analysts were saying that it was starting to look more and more. As the weeks went on, it started looking more like a Jason Garrett offense as opposed to the Kellen Moore offense that we were seeing early in the season. You really like Melancor that much? I think mm-hmm. Kellen Moore has the potential to be one of the better coaches in this league. He's the only guy retained by Mike McCarthy, right? Yeah, and I think there's a reason staff. for that. McCarthy saw what he did in Boise State, and he saw what he did in those first two games and said, this guy knows how to call an offense. It's a shame Jason Garrett didn't know that. And now it's a fresh start. Mike McCarthy, second he got the job, he did something Jason Garrett never did by bringing in an analytics department. Jason Garrett never had an analytics department? He did not. He didn't believe in analytics. Oh, that's crazy. He's one of those? So, good luck, Giants. I mean, he's not making the main decisions there. Hopefully, Joe Judge will be smarter than that. I have to imagine that Belichick's using some kind of analytics up there. Oh, yeah. He's doing something. Right, for sure. I mean, he's either cheating or using analytics. Probably both. Both. Yeah, Yeah, both. I say both. Right. I like the Mike McCarthy signing, to be honest with you. Like, I think they needed, like, an experienced head coach like that who's worked with, you know, elite an elite quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. That's something that they want to obviously turn Dak into. And that's a conversation that, you know, we have to have before we go forward about the Cowboys and how we think they're going to do in 2020. We've got to talk about this contract thing, right? 
We saw Patrick Mahomes get 50 this week. Yes. So Dak, you know, was pushing for, for 30, 31.4 was the, was the franchise tag, I believe. Mm-hmm. He was pushing supposedly for 40. The Cowboys' last offer was 35. In a world where Patrick Mahomes gets 50, Dak doesn't even deserve to ask for 40. There's no way in my mind. I think it was crazy of him to hold out for as long as he did. He got 32. He wanted four years for 160. That's and crazy. He didn't, want the, he didn't want the fifth year, and he wanted to take all the money. I think that he's totally in the wrong here, and he definitely has a prove-it year now. Like, I think the Cowboys ended up in a great situation once again because— Dak now has a season where, listen, if he, like, overperforms, they win the division, they finally break through, maybe maybe win a playoff game or two, right? And then take advantage of the talent. Then give him the money. Then he showed that he deserved Don't give him anywhere near Mahomes' money. Because Dak, at his best, is not Mahomes ever. So I don't think that you give him anywhere near 40, to tell you the truth. I think you keep him in the upper 30s, which is nice. But, you know, it's very good that they get to watch him, you know, one more year with all the talent, with Amari Cooper from the beginning, you know, signing him to a huge long-term deal. I think it was very, very key to them. And, you know, see what he's got before you commit to him long term. I totally agree with everything you're saying about Dak. And I think he sort of dug himself a hole because since he's asking for so much, and now that he didn't get that extension, um, he's got to go out next year and prove that he's worth what he's asking for. If not, they're all just going to say, I told you so. And when they rediscuss in summer 2021, it's not going to look good for him. So like Gabe said, I don't like what he's doing. And I think he's totally in the wrong and just like off the rails here with asking for that much. I believe that franchising Dak was Jerry's plan all along. Wow. I Honestly, think you could be right. From the beginning, He's Jerry wanted Sometimes. Dak to play for his money. Dak proved this past season that he's a $30 million quarterback, which he had improved earlier in his career. But now it's time for him to take the next step and prove if he wants to be, if he wants to call himself a $40 million quarterback, he's got to go out there. He's got to take this division, not even make it a question, win a couple playoff games, get them to that championship game that they haven't been to since the 90s. And then you the Jets have been to two since then. Yeah, and that's that's a shame. The Cowboys with Mark Sanchez has bro. been a much more talented team than the Jets over the past decade. Yeah, well, we did it more than a decade ago. Unfortunately, we're past that point. The anniversary has passed. Anyway, I do like what the Cowboys did this offseason, though. I like, you know, obviously CeeDee Lamb is like, it's unfair that he fell that far and that that's just another weapon for that offense. It's absolutely insane, right? You got him, you got Amari, you got Gallup, who's, de- you know, who's developing, he's going to be bright. Obviously you got Zeke and then like that offense just looks unstoppable. The defense got a cup, you know, got a nice addition, haha, Clinton Dix and Gerald McCoy. Those are two great pieces. Sucks he lost Byron Jones, but okay, you know, Hawkland and Dix will hopefully patch things up. And Trevon Diggs. And Trevon Diggs, of course. And then there's a lot of talk about, you know, hopefully even Jamal Adams. I mean, if you guys get Jamal Adams, I'm not going to talk about it from the Jets' perspective, but if you guys get Jamal Adams or Clowney, I mean, you, you have you have to do something big this season, right? Yeah, if, you, if you're able to you have to. Clowney and Lawrence on that D-line, yeah. you, you've got to be getting... Clowney, Lawrence, and Gerald McCoy on yeah, the D-line. And on Terry Pye. Oh, my God. Do you think their Vegas under, over-under goes up immediately if they sign Adams or Clowney? And if, if you do, what do you think it goes up to? I think... Right now, it's 10. Right. Which is pretty high already. It's pretty high, so that's I think curious, 10 yeah. is exactly the right number. It might go to 10, it, it would go to 10 and a half or 11 if they get I one of those guys, though. But I do think Adams, for sure, it would go up. Clowney would probably go up, but Adams is that big of a difference maker. Especially yeah. because of how bad their secondary is playing. Like, they need him. Yeah, they like, haven't they been able him. to get takeaways, and Adams is a turnover machine. He is not a turnover machine. Two picks in three years. Two picks in three years. Really? I just want to put that out there. Yep. Really? Two career. And one of them was against Jared Stidham. That's actually pretty crazy. No yeah. forced fumbles? No, some forced fumbles. A, g- a decent amount of forced okay. fumbles. Yes, not, he, he's not a turnover machine by right. any stretch of the word. Interception though. machine. He, yeah, no, right. but he's not, he doesn't have that many forced fumbles. Like, I'm right. not going to look it up right now, but he's not. it's not that crazy. He is a difference maker. I'm not going right. to deny it. A force it. to be reckoned with. He's our reasons. boy, I mean, for now. Listen, let's, let's go around really quickly and just talk. What What are you putting money down on over under 10? Mo, go. 
it's hard to say because I see them as exactly a 10-win team. Yeah, I agree with you. But I'd have to give them the over, let them steal a game from yeah. somewhere. Yeah, that's fair. Ben? Yeah, I'm taking the over. Um, last year, they started 3-0 and ended 8-8, eight and eight, right? We saw how that ended up. This year, they made some key additions like CeeDee Lamb, and I like Trayvon Diggs, and I'm hope- and well, Cowboys fans are hoping they get Jamal Adams or Clowney. Um, with those things panning out, I see them going over. Yeah, I listen, like Mo said, 10 is very tough to bet the over in a division like this where like the Cowboys haven't proven that they could win big games yet. Gun to head, I'm going under, unfortunately, but I think that they win 10. And, but this is, like like I said, like we've been saying the whole time, like this is their division to lose for sure. In Absolutely. And Absolutely. I'd be very, very excited if I were you going into the season. I am. And we were really excited to have you here tonight. Yeah, Mo, thank you. Thank you for coming. This was really great. awesome. It was great to be here. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, great time. Yeah, you would, I really enjoyed listening to you talk about your fandom and the Cowboys, and we can't wait to have you on next time. Oh, and, yeah, my pleasure. Can't and wait. stay around for a bit, bro. Let's chill a bit. Oh, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's hang out. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's pretty much it. You know, whoever was listening tonight, thank you so much. You should take a little break, chill out a bit, and we'll see you next time. Have a great night.